Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons and bonus content online on our YouTube channel, linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Today we have Pastor Nate with us. Um, so Nate, on Sunday, you continued the series on spiritual warfare by talking about the open doors that, if left undealt with, open our lives um, of all believers to spiritual attack. Um, among those open doors, the concept of generational curses came up. I heard this term often and a lot in deliverance ministries and inner healing. Can you explain a little bit what generational curses are and what the Bible has to say about generational curses? Yeah, uh, I think this is a good topic to cover because most people understand that if you're engaging at all in the same sins that one or many of your family members engaged in, you're repeating a behavior of sin, which always has the ability to open us up to spiritual attack. But what if I don't participate in the same sins that my forefathers engaged in? Can I still be susceptible to attack because my relatives committed sin? And so when we talk about the concept of generational curses, we need to remember that we're doing so within the context of open doors to demonic attack. That's the framework that we're, we're bringing this question up. So the question usually comes up, like you said, are generational curses a real and biblical thing? And can I become demonized because of something my ancestors have done? And to give you a condensed and simple answer, I would say yes, no, and it depends. Does that help? <laughs> if, you <Yes>. de- <laughs> if you define generational curses as irrevocable inevitabilities that come upon a person because of something their ancestors did, there is for sure one instance of this in Scripture. Every single human being has a proclivity towards sin because our original ancestors, Adam and Eve, committed sin. There's a curse that came because of that. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden at the fall, their sin released a curse upon the world and upon humanity. The ground would no longer just produce food for man, but he'd have to work hard to produce it. Childbirthing would be painful for all women. And every human being is born with the ability to understand good from evil and has a natural leaning towards sin. However, if you're talking about open doors to spiritual attack, going as far as a person being inescapably demonized because of a curse that exists over them because of decisions their parents or grandparents or other family members um, have, have done, uh, I simply cannot find scripture to support this, right? And for all of you listening who fully believe in the, the, the power and impact of generational consequences, stick with me, I promise. Uh, we're gonna talk about what scripture has to say here. But again, let me reiterate that I'm speaking about people who are born again believers. I mentioned this in the sermon on Sunday. When it comes to somebody who has never placed their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, everything, the promises of of God as, as a rock, as a protector, as a tower of defense, like none of that is available. And I simply like, if I'm, if I'm sticking strictly to scripture, I don't have a hopeful promise for you in that. And that's not meant to scare you, but it, I am trying to speak truth. 
that the only hope that you have from that is, is within a relationship with Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. So I'm reiterating that I'm speaking up about people who are born again believers. And I'm emphasizing the idea of people seeing generational curses as, as this inescapable curse looming over you because of the decisions of someone else that you're related to. So where do people get this idea from? The most common scripture people point to is Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6, which is reiterated in Deuteronomy 5, 9 through 10, and Deuteronomy 7, 9. But Exodus 20, verses 5 through 6 says this, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments." So some have taken these verses and misapplied them to mean that God either allows or almost even sends curses upon innocent children because of the sins of their parents or or grandparents or ancestors. From there, they've mistakenly assumed at times that a person to whom they are doing deliverance or inner healing ministry has a demon because of the sins that their ancestors committed. Here's why these verses can't be used to suggest this. I'll give you three things. Number one, there's no such thing as an innocent person. In fact, in every book of scripture that mentions the concept above, in the same book every single time and in other places throughout scripture, scripture makes it clear that fathers will not be liable for their son's sins and sons will not be liable for their father's sins. Also, those scriptures mention that uh, it is because of the continuation of these sins within the sons that they will be judged for the sins of the fathers. See, for example, Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30, which also has a passage within it that insinuates that God visits these, these sins upon generations. But it says in Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30, in those days, they shall no longer say the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Ezekiel repeats this as well. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. I know those aren't words that we typically talk about, sour grapes and teeth being set on edge, but the consequence is clear in there, saying every person shall die for his own iniquity. If you eat the sour grapes, your teeth shall be set on edge. No longer will the fathers and the sons be responsible for each other's decisions. Number two, the descriptive phrase, going back to the Exodus um, account um, that's described in Exodus 20. The descriptive phrase used for these future generations are, quote, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. The hatred of God maybe began with the forefathers, but it was for sure continued by the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, etc. And whatever it looks like for God to visit the iniquities of the father on the children, the punishment of these children uh, that these uh, children are experiencing are a result of their continuing hatred of God. That's an important indicator here. Um, now, for sure, are they at a disadvantage spiritually because they're raised up under this ideology or just feelings or maybe even religion of a hatred towards God? For sure, for sure. That I'm, I'm, Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, there, there isn't natural consequences, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it is the continuing hatred that the sons continue from their fathers where, where this, uh, the, the sin is revisited. 
Um, but a word of encouragement, right? While this passage does mention that the sins will be revisited on the lineage of those who continue to hate him, notice it's numbered to the third and fourth generation, right? Don't, we shouldn't see that as a formula, but I want to point something out here. But it's of those who love him and keep his commandments that God pours out his loving kindness to thousands of generations, to those who continue to love him and keep his commandments. Does this mean that God will overlook the fifth generation of those who continue to hate him, right? So God's going to revisit the, the sins of the father on the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. Is he just going to, well, we've, we've expired at the fourth generation, now it's the fifth, so I'm just going to overlook that hatred of me. Does he just overlook that? No. Rather, God, in, in what he's saying here, I revisit the sins of the third and fourth. Like It's a continual impact is what he's saying. But listen, Focus on my blessing. Focus on my loving kindness for that I desire to take even to the thousandth generation of those who love me. This, the, the point of this in Exodus and when it's reiterated in Deuteronomy is, is not to hone in on sins that a father makes that are going to be continually repeated because, again, Scripture doesn't say that. But it's a comparison of, yes, there's impact, but see and grab onto and live in the blessings that I want to pour out multiplied beyond judgment. Think about it though. You probably know someone who had horrible parents, maybe even horrible grandparents, just a bad lineage of sinful living and brokenness. But instead of continuing in the sin, they, the, the, the grandchild or the child or whatnot, they grew up recognizing the brokenness and wanting nothing to do with becoming like their family. So you also likely know of children who have wonderfully God-fearing and God-loving parents, but they themselves are all kinds of jacked up. We just have to be careful not to create methods and formulas and then apply them to how we do ministry. So again, let me restate, I do not believe that scripture teaches anywhere that a person can be uncontrollably cursed to becoming demonized simply because of the sins of their family lineage. Here, I, I've heard this before, uh, a pastor says, I love it. If you've been born again, then you have to understand that your genealogy has been readjusted. Through the salvific atonement of Jesus Christ and faith in his death and resurrection, scripture says that we are born again as a new creation and that we have been adopted as sons unto the Father, the Father. The curse of sin is broken over your life in Christ Jesus. So yeah, sure, you will inescapably be subjected to whatever curses your new lineage passes down to you. The good news is there's no curse because there's no sin in the lineage of your heavenly father. That's encouraging. Um, can you go back? You mentioned um, in your sermon that you didn't like the term generational curse. Would you mind expanding on that part a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So I think the reason uh, people wrongly come to this conclusion that we talked about is because they use the phrase generational curse. Now, I talked about curses in the sermon and how scripture mentions curses a, a lot in a lot of different places, the majority actually of which is, is a judgment of, of God upon sin, like the, the, that's, that's where curse is, but also it goes into other examples um, through that. But the reason why in this context, I don't like, um, and when I say I don't like, like usually what I mean by that is, hey, when somebody uses that around me, like 
I know what you mean, and therefore I'm not like offended. I don't, don't think that like I'm just this pastor who's like, oh, you're so theologically wrong or all these things. I understand what you mean, but I also want to lead us to be a people who can speak on practical levels that people understand, and, and I also want us to, to try to make sure to build bridges instead of barriers where we can't, to be clear uh, where, where we don't have to be muddy or don't have to be confusing. Um, and so when people hear the phrase generational curse, they should probably be using the term generational sin. Uh, curse implies a decree that goes forth over a person's life, whereas sin, simply put, has consequences that can and often do impact more than just yourself. For example, Romans 1 gives us a good example where Paul mentions how there came a point where people turned from God and began worshiping anything and everything besides God or in place of God, and they turned towards all kinds of sin. Ultimately, God gave them what I would consider to be the greatest of consequences on this side of eternal judgment. He gave them over to their sins. I think this means that God stopped going out of his way to convict them of their sins and remind them of their sins and doing whatever he does to try to convince us away from our sins. He removed his blessings, his protection, his favor, his grace, etc., from them. And in a way, you could say that this future leaves them in a very scary, almost curse-like reality. And I would agree. But there's a difference between God removing his hand of protection over the generations of someone who sinned against him and him sentencing their generations to becoming demonized because of this sin. Um, One example that I think helps uh, bring clarity, um, I've seen it click in a lot of the guys that I've been discipling in their minds when this topic randomly comes up, is... Um, at some point, so let's, let's just jump to, it's a hot topic right now, right? Um, Hamas, right, in the Middle East and Israel and the war going on between Hamas and, and Israel. Uh, you can use the extreme version of Hamas, but you can also go to um, Islam, right? Um, at some point in the lineage of an individual going all the way up who's been born into Islam, and so if you've been born into a a Muslim family, you are Muslim, right? Um, at some point, that lineage, somebody in your ancestral lineage made the decision to follow Muhammad and follow Allah. And Romans 1 tells us that even the invisible qualities of God are apparent in all of creation around us, right? He is, he is there. No man is without excuse. So at some point, a, a forefather made the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this way. Even if they weren't necessarily following God closely, right? It's not like they apostatized away from following God and followed Islam. But at some point, and being born into that and God removing his hand and not specifically coming after is an example of how the sin of the father is revisited on the children because they're born into this false religion and it's perpetuated through that. Um, so that's kind of a, something that I think helps some people. But when we're talking about generational curses versus generational sin, there is a however, and it's a big however. Um, even though I, I, I would say we probably should, should use generational sin more than generational curses, um, sin has widespread impact. And you can for sure open the door to not just yourself, but others becoming attacked through the decisions you make. Let's take, for example, that 
your mother decides she wants to start visiting the local psychic and tarot card readers. She gets involved in occult activities and even hosts a seance at your house one night. You better believe that not only has mama opened herself up to demonic attack and even demonization in doing this, she's opened the doors of her house to it and invited chaos into her family and even anyone who comes into that house probably. Or take as another example, a father who is a womanizer and objectifies women and is involved in all kinds of sexual immorality. It would likely surprise nobody when his son grows up to treat women the exact same way. Sin is toxic. Sin desires to spread and reproduce itself. And when one person in the family is living in an outright sinful lifestyle, it will produce a natural repercussion of being repeated in the lives of those who are closest to them, especially those who are as impressionable as children are. And the simple truth is that sin itself opens us up to spiritual attack by the enemy. It also impacts those closest to us. If the woman who visited psychics and held a seance in her house had a daughter, we wouldn't be surprised when her daughter started experiencing attacks of various kinds in the house. But let's suppose that this same daughter, instead of her mom doing these things, lived in a house at college with her friends who began to engage in the same behaviors. She would be exposed to spiritual attack within that home as well. In this, I think it points more towards an impact by proximity, not simply because of some familial tie. But in this reality, it becomes even more important to reiterate to parents and grandparents, be careful what you do and allow into your home. In the light of that revelation, all those things, would you reiterate how could someone or how should someone respond to this concept or help lead someone through this um, when they're experiencing spiritual attack in their life and they could feel like it could somehow maybe be connected to their family or lineage? Yeah, sure. I, I mentioned this in the sermon, but I think it's worthwhile like reiterating whenever we talk about this. It's always, we have to stand on truth. The battle is in our mind. We have to know what truth is, what God's word has to say, and fight from that truth. Um, and speak that truth. And, and, and here's the really good news. Romans 5, 17 through 21, multiple times, Paul reiterates it over and over and over, the truth that, that fights this. He says, starting in verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, that's Adam sinning, death reigned through that one man, it's the curse of sin, the curse of death because of sin, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. You know that scripture says, um, so going back to Romans 5, uh, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we see this juxtaposition of Adam and his sin through his sin and decision, curse came into the world, and then Jesus and through his act, righteousness and life comes in. Reiterated again, verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
No matter where sin and the curse of that sin may have made its way into our family heritage, Jesus' death in our place and raising from the dead, defeating sin, the grave, uh, and, and the enemy themselves provides us not only eternal salvation for all who believe, but it also breaks the chains and consequences of sins committed by our family before us. You are not condemned to repeat the mistakes of your family. In fact, you may be the change that brings a reverse effect of salvation, righteousness, reconciliation, and healing to your family. I just get that image of the tree. We think of a family tree that grows out and you're like one of these limbs at the top and it's like, oh, I'm the, I'm, I'm the consequence of like all that's come before me and built on those things, but just the power of the Lord, how he works inversely all the time, just changing you through a, maybe an entire family tree that is just dark, full of sin and evil being the one that brings healing and life back from the ends to the root. Um, so when people walk through either deliverance or inner healing type ministries and come to this concept of generational sins or curses, whatever it's called, they will often have to, um, the, the person doing the ministering uh, will have the person being ministered to identify the known sins that their family lineage, lineage has been a part of and allow them to officially declare that they personally hold no agreement with those sins. If they've committed any of the same sins, then repentance is necessary. And they speak words of blessing over themselves and their family, and they reiterate identity and belonging to the holy King of Kings and Lord of Lords and having no partnership with those sins. It's like this official, like, hey, I may not even be involved in this, but just so we're clear, enemy, <laughs> I am have nothing to do with that. I want none of it. Stay away from me. I belong to the Lord. That's identity. And I will live in the righteousness that he provides. And when I look at that uh, as a strategy or as a method or as, as, as a response to the topic of generational curses or generational sins, um, I, I think biblically that's, that's completely appropriate and helpful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the Next Step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, Link Below.